Welcome to episode 112 of Crypto Weekly. Seventy-five years ago today, there was victory in Europe. Right here, right now, there is victory in your ears, listener. This week in the crypto news. The Bitcoin halvening is coming this week. Fixed rate lending is coming to Ethereum thanks to a new startup. Zoom, the now even more popular video call software, have purchased Keybase. And a legit hedge fund big shot is looking to go long on Bitcoin. All this and more on this week's Crypto Weekly. Uh, I'm joined in the chat room in the Google Hangout by Mr. Crypto Beak on the top left. Bonjour, Kat. How are you on this sweltering, sweltering Friday evening? Six out of ten, Kat. So, doing exceptionally. Yes. Uh, have you got something cold to sip on? A Stella Artois can. Ah, oh, fantastic. Chilled nicely, I hope. Uh, Dr. P Money, slightly Howdy. further in the middle. Um, what are you drinking on? What are you sucking on? Uh, I have a vodka soda. I don't have any Ooh. fresh lime, though. So, um, I, I'm sad. as beak, I'm six out of ten. That is, that is sad, but at least you've got your customary skinny bitch to sup on. <laughs> uh, Fiat Foo, top right. Karl Marx. Good evening, Ken. You will have to wait one more day for your people's victory in Europe day. Wow. <laughs> they celebrate that on the uh, 9th of May. Uh, you've heard his chuckle. He's down the bottom left. It's the Geordie Prince. Hello, Ken. Well, are you also drinking Un Stella Artois? You are absolutely correct. I am drinking Un Stella Artois. Fantastic news. Fantastic news, my friend. And bottom right, we have the Bitcoin Buble. Good evening, Ken. I haven't said hello to you yet. You came late to this uh, this meet, Google Meet. How are you doing? Yes. Uh, good. Uh, we had an early chippy tea. So I've had my fish and chips tonight. Um, Ooh, so lovely. I'm all set. You know what? I've got a hankering for proper fish and chips. Chips. Chip shop chips, if you will. They were, they were okay. They weren't the best. It's not the same when you're not at the seaside. Yeah, I, I understand, my friend. I understand. S slap a load of salt and vinegar on those. Oh, delicious. Um, but anyway, time to get started with the news. Biggest news this week has got to be the Bitcoin halving finally upon us. It's been heralded all year as an event that will pump the price of Bitcoin through the roof. And it seems to have done recently. What's been going on, friends? And what will go on? Bitcoin's halving, Ken. It's going to be one half the amount of Bitcoin going to the miners every time they do one of them block things. And everyone's going mental about it. As per usual. Should they not be? Uh, well, I feel like it's a bit it's a bit tough to both pitch the meme of there's only ever been 21 million. That's the reason I'm investing. And also, let's buy now because the supply is slowing down. Do you know what I mean? I feel like you've got to pick one or the other. If you're buying because there'll only ever be 21 million, 
feels like it's already priced in a bit. But you're right, people are going mental. Forbes is covering it. Everyone's fired up, and the price of Bitcoin is going up. Um, have you got some moon bags strapped in, my friend? Uh, I hold a little bit of Bitcoin because you know it's going to be worth like seven trillion in the year 2090 or something. So I don't want to be the only person who's not a trillionaire on the internet. Yeah, that would be a real bad feel. <clears throat> Can you imagine if everyone's in their moon buggies or whatever it is? that in that time and no one ages anymore because they can afford to buy adrenochrome and whatever it is crushed up fetuses or whatever it is that the elites do yeah uh, I mean, and you're fucking idiots who hold bitcoin become trillionaires we're really fucked yeah <laughs> that is that is that is sad does it, i mean is there anything more to say on this everyone knows it's coming do you expect the price to go up even more based on the fact that halvening is coming imminently uh, well i don't think the price will plummet as hard as the price of the other Bitcoin forks that had their halvening recently. We saw SV, Bitcoin Cash, probably loads of other shitty forks that I imagine got just as wrecked as BSV because they could switch to mining the more profitable Bitcoin because Bitcoin halved after them. So they could switch back to mine the chain that was giving away the most coins. Do you know what I mean? So now I believe Bitcoin's the last or the last major one of the Bitcoin forks to halve. So it's not like all the miners are going to switch away immediately to a more profitable uh, chain. So I don't think it it's going to be a gigantic crash. But yeah, I mean, I suspect a lot of people are probably buying to uh, speculate on the halvening. So you would think that they'd sell once it happened. But, you know, if the price goes up, it's Bitcoin. So more people buy it. If the price goes down, everyone sells it. So <laughs> who the fuck knows what's going to happen, Kev? Thank you very much, Mr. CryptoBeak. Does anyone have anything more to say on this before I bring in the next news story, which is actually directed at Beak again? Uh, Ken, I just want to um, let the record state that people always say um, oh well look what happened to the price of bitcoin at the last as we approach the last halvening but um this is an asset that has enjoyed an absolutely stratospheric appreciation in price since its inception so taking any period of time in uh of bitcoin price action and then like just slapping the halving on, on top of it and saying, well, it was the halving was approaching and the price was going up. Therefore, the price goes up towards the halving. And that's the way it should be is silly. So don't fall for anyone. Not that I'm, I mean, I'm sure none of our listeners would, but I just wanted to put it out there. That, I'm also, sorry, after you be. I'm also enjoying uh, the, the Bitcoin bros going for both. Look at all this money printing. Bitcoin's going to go sky high. And look at all this money printing. How are stocks going up? Making both those arguments at the same time is some top-tier Bitcoin logic. Wait, so they're saying that stocks shouldn't be going up because of all Bro, this? Bro, the economy's fucked. Why are stocks going up? This is crazy. Oh, okay, okay with you. But Bitcoin's yeah. going up loads because we're printing money because the economy's fucked. That makes complete sense. Yeah, but, but they're also... Stocks are going up from after taking massive dives, right? Yeah, stocks are going up to like minus 25%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, money printing makes Bitcoin go up. Why are stocks going up? It's yeah. a bit painful. I've actually not read any crypto Twitter this week because it's just it's just been too much for me. I just yeah. can't. I don't think I can take it at all anymore. It, it is truly painful. It's a painful experience these days. It really is. But yeah, that to say that stocks are going up is. I mean, I guess it's factually correct, but it's over a very selective time period they're looking at. Why everyone's, is everyone's unemployed? How could stocks possibly go up? Yeah, Bitcoin's going up. Yeah, I know Bitcoin's going up. It's going to go to bloody four hundred k by the end of next year. What's, what's the problem there? Fuck me. Great stuff. <clears throat> so, we all know we're buying cryptocurrency. We all know we're going to have a little bag of Ethereum. How do we make our Ethereum work for us, though? Fucking Channel Four got the bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? Right, I'm going to have to bring something else up instead of that news story that I was so seamlessly segueing into. Sorry. Okay. What? What's crypto right. Barbie has burst in. Okay. Because earlier on today, we were walking along a popular spot in East London, um, and there was a reporter there. Um, uh, with two camera uh, men, or should I say persons in this day and age? You we don't say know men. they were men. Were they men? <laughs> they, they were men. Okay. Um, she cleared quite a lot of space for her to do her report, and she was stood there um, uh, at a two-metre mark that you see semi-regularly in London now that has been drawn by local authorities to show what two metres is. And <laughs> she, was doing a rep- she was reporting on and basically complaining that People were not socially distancing. They were not staying two metres apart. While this was happening, her cameramen were literally touching one another as they rec- as they filmed and her and recorded her. distancing as they were walking up and down the fucking road. Okay. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Barbie on fucking range mode. <laughs> Honestly, she's just seen... Apparently... Right. And then we, we saw the irony in this. We, we took a picture. We thought it was pretty hypocritical. And also, as part of this, they were taking up so much room in the road that everyone who was actually adhering to social distancing couldn't do so trying to get round them in the middle of the fucking road. Mm. Um, people were pointing this out to her and being fairly livid. Um, and apparently Channel 4 have just run a news story um, bringing this up. Bringing what? what? What was she reporting to Channel Four? I don't know who she was reporting for, but Channel Four ran a story on her reporting a story about people not social distancing, while she herself was not social distancing. Oh, great news! Nice. So you've got yes. to learn the fuck out, is what you Top tier, top tier news, and Barbie has come in here because she's raging from the sweet justice feel. I have two questions, Ken. Go on. First question is: Did they run a story about Nigel Farage? Um, in the interest of balance, d- doing his uh, this is where the foreigners come in on the boats um, video that he did. Question number one. Question number two. Do you know that those two camera people that were not social distancing aren't cohabiting? Because th- question if they number were, one. Question number allowed. one. I'm going to give you an answer to, and that is I don't know because I've been doing a fucking podcast with you. So I wasn't <laughs> watching news. No. So the the Nigel Farage thing was uh, last week. I think he went he went to the cliffs of Dover during lockdown to do a, a video on um, where the immigrants are... I don't know if it was Dover, but it was by the coast somewhere. Basically looking, pointing out into the sea and going, this is where all the foreigners come in on their dinghies. 
um, as if that was like uh, key work that needed to be done during lockdown. Were there any foreigners coming in on dinghies? No, there were not, Ken. Of course okay. there weren't. It was daytime. <laughs> and also, uh, <laughs> no, they weren't. But the point was, is that Nigel Farage was, was basically going full Nigel Farage UKIP racism down by the coast during lockdown. And that, and that and I I want I'd like to know if that made the news alongside. Wait, but um, did he break any social distancing rules? Well, no, he 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 did non-essential travel. Um, and his argument. But so was did the royal was, family. He was he was a key worker, and then the backlash was basically, is this video about foreigners coming in uh, key work? And I'm not going to ask anybody to answer that question, um, <laughs> for the sake of uh, our listeners. But moving I'm on gonna, to the second I'm, point, I'm going to answer because it probably isn't because no form of media is key work. Um, okay. the no, it is. Journal question. Journalists are counted as uh, key workers. Oh, yeah, well, there you ridiculous. go. Well, you got you got you got to keep the proper propaganda machine going, haven't you? It's anyway. citizen journalism. Are we counted as journalists? Yeah, probably. Actually, yeah, we could probably do the podcast in P Money's um, in P Money's house. <laughs> anyway, second, second second question. Back to uh, the topic that I was interrupted with, which was Barbie talking about these people down in East London. Um, I don't think they were in the same household because when the crowd around the uh, this report pointed out that they were not social socially distancing, uh, they sheepishly pushed apart. Well, um, obviously for for. Um because of the perception of what they were doing, I guess. But um, their, I would also their, like demeanor, add... their demeanor was also rather confrontational. So I feel they would have shouted, we're part of the same household, rather than telling everyone to fuck off. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, 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 yes, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sidestep that one, Ken. Mm. And it was my, to, that's um, my evidence to suggest that I don't think they were from yeah. the same household. A bit of, uh, a bit of topical news is that um, there's a family out the back of where I live. Uh, well, it's a family, there's two adjacent households that share the same balcony. Um, and every Thursday for the last three weeks, they've gone out as two separate households onto the balcony to let off fireworks every week to celebrate the NHS you know, clap for the NHS. And I and every week I look at them just thinking, how stupid must they be to go out and, set, you know, thank the NHS for all their hard work whilst completely ignoring the social distancing rules that are, they've, that are in place in order to protect the NHS. Let alone the noise pollution they're creating with those bl bloody fireworks. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Have anyway. you reported them to the Gustavo, I mean the police? Well, no, because for a number of reasons. One, uh, because I'm not a snitch. Two, because uh, did you see that thing in the States? I think it might have been, I want to say Minnesota, but I can't remember. But um, the, there was basically the, the list of people that had snitched on others during lockdown was leaked. Oh, um, wow. And, uh, and so there are people like worrying about like retaliation because for, for, <laughs> basically people that had phoned up the, the local police department um, to, to to tell inform on other people breaking the rules had somehow been leaked publicly. I don't know how, but so yeah. So now I'm not going to be I'm not going to be joining the uh, snitch crew. Nice one. While while we're on the topic, do you want to relay your non-social distancing stories, Mister Crypto Beacon Geordie Prince? I know you've seen a few out your window. <laughs> well, before we get back to the news, we did we did see um, a rap video being filmed near to where we live 
complete with um, rented mid-range saloons, steady cams, um, wrappers wearing multiple bandanas at once, and a large entourage. Or, say, don't they don't they wear bandanas over their mouths anyway? Good point. He was extremely well protected. Who are they? Well protected Is that Ken? Ken? Who are they? Who are they? Bitcoin Buble. Who do you rappers, think? Ken. Rappers. Yeah, rappers. Okay. I just I wanted yeah. to clear that up. I was we were skirting on dangerous territory, and I wanted to clear that up. Yeah, it was hilarious as well because um, the I saw loads of like these like middle-aged women joggers who were like jogging down the street minding their own and then they would suddenly realize they were in the middle of this like video and like sheepishly react and then like cross it like dart over the road or like wave a hand and then go through the middle of this like massive entourage of rappers it was absolutely top bands and it happened like three or four times so that was very amusing but yeah i'm with p money i couldn't like i would just never like call the police over that you know what i mean so um, but gp i think um Having rap music, if you're into it, seems like a pretty key, uh, important thing for society during a lockdown such as this. Uh, that's why you're wrong, kiddo. Well, rap hang on. So not important for society. I think. Uh, I think if it were a DMB music video, uh, Buble might be piping up. Yeah, but I feel like you can make one of those from the safety of your own bedroom and in total isolation. Yeah, but but where are you going to get? Um, you know, scantily clad women uh, washing your car. How are you going to get that in your bedroom? <laughs> um, they just medication. had a lot of men in tracksuits, everybody. They were not yeah. scantily clad women. Ah, was, no, it drill, no. was it drill music? Yes. Yeah, ah, it, was, okay. it had a very much a drill vibe to it. The entourage was there, all male, probably like 16 guys um, sheepishly sort of loitering around and making finger gun hands signs, that kind of thing. And not one man was sat on the roof of the car through the sunroof. Correct. But lockdown still, you know, gang um, gang tensions don't just reduce during lockdown. You still have to call out your the other people, right? Mm, have to make brags and threats to rivals in exactly. your rap video. Mm. They just move on to Fortnite instead, don't they? Is that where the beef's being played out these days? I think so. Well, that's a positive step. I'm 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 keen to point out to anybody listening that this is exactly the the kind of shit that we talk about during uncut that I end up having to cut out <laughs> um, because I was tempted to move on to AOC playing Animal Crossing talking about Fortnite and I was just like no I can't I can't this is live stream I can't anyway yeah you can do what you want big guy we've already been completely derailed well so um Alexandria whatever her name is Ocasio Cortez Ocasio Cortez yeah she uh, she's been playing Animal Crossing leader of America. She's been playing Animal Crossing and she went into somebody else's farm or whatever it is that you build on Animal Crossing. Island, and, uh, my friend. Let's get the story and, uh And like left a lovely message with a little signature and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then I, I, I went down the Reddit rabbit hole and I discovered that um, the voice of Meg in Family Guy, uh, is it Mila Kunis? Yeah, Mila Kunis, yeah. She is, um, she plays World of Warcraft. Oh, she had she had in the past, and I went down this whole rabbit hole of celebrities that are big like gamers. Anyway, Vin Diesel is huge into Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> and he has a character he's played with for like fifteen years or something. I mean, I mean that, that, is that, that describes his film career. 
<laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's a whole type of Vin Diesel. Dungeons and Dragons is like a board game, though, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a tabletop RPG, right? That is not cookie cutter. I tell it's you not. what, I'll give, I'll give Vin that one. Mm-hmm. I've been playing D&D since I was like 15 years old with the same character, despite being a Hollywood movie star for much of that time. Yeah. Give him mm-hmm. that one. Casio Cortez... It's a bit, it's a bit more bandwagony, you know. She's kind of hopping on the trend, you know. I'm not quite as impressed by that. Looking always looking for a cynical angle there, GP. Correct, be money. <laughs> Correct. If Acacia Cortez is playing Dungeons and Dragons, that I will not be cynical. I agreed, agreed. If she's playing the most popular game that is available right now, in, that came out just before lockdown hit, then you know I'm going to be asking a few questions. She can borrow my D20 anytime. Okay, you've got two games confused there, but I like it. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, <laughs> should we, we try and get back now? to the news? Yeah, should we get back to the news? I don't know if we'll be interrupted again. Speaking of World of Warzone, Ken. Speaking of World of Warzone, yes. Period. <laughs> oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on. What is happening? I don't want to read your letter at the moment because I'm in the middle of a live stream. Hold on. Ah, oh, Bar- hang on. Has Barbie written a strong, a strongly worded so, letter to Channel 4 News? She has, yes. Right. That was very okay. quick. What are they going to tell me I can't Barbie, do? Barbie, right. This news story, was it them shaming these individuals or was it them... Just like hordes of Londoners flock out again. Ah, right. Okay, so the story on Channel 4 was actually this reporter saying that people were not social distancing. So Barbie is complaining to Channel 4. I haven't played Channel 4 anyway. She's saying, good Barbie. evening. You Today, won't read it to everyone. no, too late. Too, you forced my hand here. All right. Good evening. Today, whilst on my daily walk, I saw your reporter on Broadway Market in East London filming. The film crew were not socially distancing from each other. I have a photograph if you would like to see. They were also making it hard for people to socially distance from them by positioning themselves in various locations on the road. Whilst walking up and down the road, they were not adhering to social distancing, both in relation to themselves and members of the public. How can you, in good conscience, broadcast a piece on social distancing when your own staff are not adhering to the policy, putting both themselves and members of the public at risk? It is disappointing that you put the health of others at risk in order to get a story during this pandemic. Kind regards, Barbie. Am I getting ripped? You're not getting ripped. No one is saying anything at the moment. They are dumbstruck. (laughs) <laughs> but we cannot get on with the cryptocurrency news. <laughs> My news is more important than that. <laughs> and, and with that, she is left. <laughs> Ken, we need to get Barbie as a regular guest. Sternly worded, sternly worded letter weekly. Oh, that would be good. I might, I'll tweet the picture out after this so we can see what's going on. And maybe get some traction to shame Channel 4 and listen to her angry worded letter. Uh, anyway, yeah, finally, back to the news. On on that note, fixed rate lending is coming to Ethereum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was going to test even your transition skills, wasn't it, Ken? Yeah. Uh, but we're there, nonetheless. You know, Mr. CryptoBeat, can you uh, please... Oh, fuck's sake. Can you say something about fixed rate lending <laughs> on Ethereum thanks to a startup called Yield? Yes, can I can. Thank you very much. This is this is uh, top tier broadcasting. Thanks, Ken. Uh, yield. They're going to do some. You're going to be on tomorrow. Some 
somebody on Ethereum, decentralized way, all that good stuff. Strangely, though, you're going to know how much interest you're paying, Ken. That's the key. That's their key value proposition. Reason they're going for this is because if you borrow money on Maker, you don't know how much interest you're paying. That's because they have their stabilization fee that changes all the time, fluctuates wildly. So, and that's not just for getting new loans. If you have a loan, the interest you're paying on it could change at any moment. So these yield bros want to introduce zero coupon bonds on Ethereum. Uh, what that basically means is that you can get a loan and you pay back the loan and all the interest right at the end. You don't get any payments during that period. As a lender, it just gets paid back all at the end. So you know how much as a borrower you're going to pay back. That's the whole pitch. They're not really competing with Maker. They're just adding it as another another piece of the decentralized finance puzzle that is their own uh they got a really shittily named why die token but you, it represents the bond uh and that's about that Ken. what else do you want to know sorry i'm just yeah. uh uh just in uh talking barbie's, barbie's barbie's letter go on sorry <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question. Do you understand how it works? This was something that I couldn't really make sense of. Like, how do they how do they guarantee that rate over time? Uh, they well, that's the contract you buy into, right? Like, there's no there isn't a rate per se. It's that when on yield, what's going to happen is you're gonna you put some money in collateral into a vault in the same way you do for Maker when you. Uh, leverage your ETH or effectively get a loan. So you put some ETH into your vault, then you you fire up a token that represents this bond or basically a loan. That has the conditions in it. It's like you have to pay back. Uh, let's say you wanted to borrow $750. You've got to have, it, firstly, enough ETH to uh, collateralize that, and then you open up a, like a token, a smart contract, that means that you pay back a thousand dollars in two years, something like that. They just the token just represents this contract. If uh, the if the collateral becomes not enough, basically, if you get if your loan gets stopped out due to the price of ETH falling, then it's just hopefully automatically liquidated in the same way that maker loans are. Like if ETH price drops, there's this whole network uh, of people, bots that trigger liquidation in order to get paid themselves. Although we did see that recently, arguably fail on Maker. So we don't know uh, whether that works sure, but it basically works in exactly the same way. It just doesn't have the fluctuating um, stability fee. Uh, the Irish Beastman in the chat is asking, what kind of interest rates are these gentlemen offering? Uh, I'm guessing we're not going to know until the platform is actually live. So I yeah. don't think they're the ones that are actually offering the rate either. I believe they're the platform, aren't they? So it's going to be between market participants. Someone's going to say, um, I am going to pay you $100 worth of ETH on this date. And then the market's going to decide what, what uh, let's say in a month's time, sorry. And then the market's going to decide how much ETH today that is worth. 
Well, so what they're going to do is you you put your money into a vault, and then you generate this Y die, which is a bond in an ERC twenty form, and then you go and sell that bond on decentralized exchanges. Basically, you can you can put a price on this bond. So you get a you fire up um, this thing that says this smart contract in the form of a Y die token says I'm going to pay you $100 back in a mm-hmm. year's time. Mm-hmm. I want I want you to give me $90 now. You can sell it for $90 and then someone buys it on this uh, on a decentralized platform then you get your $90. Uh, if they don't you don't. They've got uh, so the lenders will both the lenders and the uh, borrowers will be able to come to an agreement via a decentralized exchange basically right right so yeah it's the rate is always going to be market derived in the sense that you can't just say like you can say you want any price you want but if no one's willing to take the other side of it you don't have a loan right yeah correct yeah and uh but i mean you can you can wait and hope that like there isn't going to be i don't believe there's going to be a set interest rate yeah it depends what what you can get away with Absolutely. Yeah, this just differs from say make a DAO because it's it's fixed from the from inception to maturity, which is yeah. as you point out, is different to make a DAO's what do they call it? Stabilization rate or something? Yeah, stabilization fee. One other key thing that is different is that uh, with Maker you can get out at any time as well, right? You can close your CDP by paying it off at any point. Whereas with these it feels like you're not gonna be able to do that. Well, couldn't couldn't you take your contract back to the market like halfway through and see if you can get someone to? But not as a, not as a borrower. I think you probably have to you buy it back as a borrower, basically, if you wanted to get out of it. You go and buy a sim like the same. Yeah, I guess. Contract, but yeah, it's not. It's the like a secondary market. The well, this is creating the bond. Yeah, and then you take these to the secondary market, and you can buy them and sell them as the market sees fit. Well, if but if there's a secondary market for them, then surely you can get out your position halfway through. Because if you can find a seller or a buyer, depending on which side you had originally. Yeah, but if you're the borrower, you don't you don't have possession of the ERC twenty, do you? You've already sold it. You've already sold the token. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can buy one back to effectively yeah. like get yourself out of it yeah exactly you can yeah so it sounds it sounds like you can yeah you i mean you can't directly just like pay it off but you can go to the secondary market and cover your position yeah yeah cool yeah i did notice that they are actually still um the mechanism for liquidating the vault if the value of the collateral falls um below that of the loan is apparently um still under development so i don't think this is live or anything but they haven't quite ironed out how exactly um loans get closed when they become under collateralized so yeah i reckon they were going to do exactly the same as maker but then make had that fuck up like a month ago and yeah. they're like, oh maybe we'll see if we can improve on that but they're basically it sounds like they're going to do exactly the same things as maker apart from they're going to put these uh, they're going to give you a bond rather than the rather than the protocol lending you money. It's going to come via a secondary market, and the borrower will know 
how much interest they're paying from the beginning. Yeah, I'm almost kind of surprised that those two things arose in the order that they did. I would have thought that, like, um, first of all, you would have had this, which is like the most basic kind of lending agreement between two parties. And then further down the line, you'd have some like variable rate protocol, like decentralized protocol that Maker DAO came up with in the end. But it is kind of weird that they arose in reverse order you know this is actually a much more simple um arrangement than make a doubt and i'd imagine technically it's it's got to be easier as well but for whatever reason it arose after make a DAO came up with that protocol i reckon it's because make a on to ico and i'm not sure that this yield is going to offer very much to ico investors but it makes out does actually offer opportunities to profit to its ICO investors because the uh, the interest they gain goes towards buying back and burning maker tokens. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a dividend for make holders. Does so a platform work that into the token economics? Okay. Does does a platform I presume the platform charges some kind of fee though? You could could tokenize that or um, ICO that potential future revenue, I'd imagine. Yeah, it sounds like they're raising money from like not from ICO investors, they're actually raising money in more traditional means. So I reckon they'll charge a fee and it'll just go to the company there, which is yeah. a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Naughty. Thanks for that rundown, boys. That was parfait. Um I want to move on to news that Zoom uh video uh, video call software that is even more popular during these lockdown times have purchased um a little application known as a Keybase, which is certainly popular with our very own Cadell Fistro. Hold tight, the Kaiser Sozier Crypto. Correct. Giving him the respect that he deserves. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Keybase um, utilizes, uh, they have a Stellar wallet on there. I don't know how much more of the Stellar blockchain they actually utilize in their end to end encryption service um, that basically allows you to chat and send files and all manner of other sweet security features. Uh, being purchased by a firm that is not very well known for their security. Anyone uh, want to jump well, in on this? This one's on you, Ken. Well, I know that the Foo Man has uh, <laughs> put some notes on this himself, so maybe I'll go to him. Yeah, I, I just speculated about why they bought them. I I guess I was wondering how much of Keybase's product they're interested in moving forward or whether they just bought Keybase to get their hands on like a, a security team with a good reputation to kind of clear up some of the uh, bad press they've been getting recently because I guess Keybase have a lot of respect in the kind of crypto and encryption world, got a good lot of cryptographers there. And Zoom have been under fire and are currently cash rich. They're like one of the few stocks that has gone through the roof through the whole crisis. So yeah, that was my that was my wild speculation that they. I don't know how much they care about the actual product, but I reckon they want the team. But yeah, I guess yeah. we'll see that play out over a long term because I guess nothing else in Zoom's product suite kind of lines up with what Keybase offer. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds pretty like a pretty smart move by Zoom to me as a man who knows very very little about video conferencing or encryption but i feel like if they're if they're appealing to stonk 
if they wanted to do something to appeal to stonk investors, stonk market investors, and they were like, listen, we all know we've had a few issues with Zoomers hacking into Zoom calls and using their N-word passes. Don't worry about that. We've got this leap new security team on top of it that we've just acquired. As you say, they're very well respected with all security and encryption and all that. So basically all our problems are now solved. And I feel like very few market participants are going to know enough about either of the companies to have a major issue with that. I feel like they're going to be like, yeah, good move. So I think it's smart from that point of view alone. Yeah, that's a good narrative. Does anyone out of curiosity use Keybase? I think I may have I, tried it. It was like beta a few years ago. I have used it a little bit and I actually really like it. Their um, mobile app and desktop app integration is sweet. Um, the chat is actually really, really good. If I actually used Stella, it would be pretty cool as well because I have a wallet there and you can request and send money and all that in the chat. It's actually got some legit pretty good features and looks nice and works nicely as well, which it's hard to find in the crypto sphere, to be quite honest. How the fuck has Zoom got to be this big? Um, so before we get onto that one, if anybody has the answer, did you see that... Uh, Zoom, the ticker Zoom, got like loads of people piling into it because they thought it was Zoom Video Conf Inc. or whatever the name of the company Absolute is. Absolute classic. And uh, and the ticker for Zoom Video Conferencing is ZM. And I, I think I think the Zoom Z O O M ticker is like some Chinese company. And the and the, the authorities had to step in and stop trading because people were buying up the wrong oh. one. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that actually doesn't surprise me in the slightest. After I heard, um, wasn't it like after Pokemon Go came out, um, something like Sony stock, like and po Pokemon Go just blew up, and then like everyone started buying like Sony stock, like just went through the roof. <laughs> the only problem being that Sony doesn't make Pokemon Go, <laughs> so it's this is like the efficient market that we're operating in. This ha seems to happen on a not in not uh, too infrequent basis, which is pretty terrifying. But yeah, it's one to add to the list. Uh, to answer your question, Big, I, I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. But I think a big part of it is that Zoom is big in the US um, for video conferencing. Um, I've worked with uh, US companies from the UK who have uh, who, who present links to calls in Zoom, um, which which for me, when I'm I'm mostly doing calls either through um, Slack or Google, uh, Google Hangouts like this, uh, getting Zoom links is pretty weird, especially when you've had to, you, in the past, you've had to install software and a big part of their, I, I guess the, the perception of them being a bit dodgy uh, security-wise is that their their OSX app, um, the, 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 the native app that you install, had massive vulnerabilities in it that opened up like, ports and shit on your laptop or your on your on your on your on your machine um but i think i think they've had like large group video calling um take off during during lockdown where other products haven't um and i think other products have introduced it now to try and catch up but uh zoom kind of already had it so it seemed like the go-to for a lot of for a lot of companies for their kind of uh their working from home practices I guess, and I guess yeah. also it's a lot of people have been using this for work, and now we'll probably bring that into their personal lives a little bit. So I know all my all my normie friends 
are livid if I try and get them to use Google Hangouts because until this week they didn't have a tiled view where you could see everyone on the call at once but Zoom did so then I would have to download Zoom and use Zoom if I wanted to speak to them because wow. in their mind Google Hangouts were shit because you couldn't see everyone at the same time well you can't change your background to like a weather main or something either yeah also that also that they also splurged an absolute crap ton of money on marketing. It's probably one of the biggest software marketing campaigns I've ever seen, where they right. just plastered the entire country with Zoom logos right. and like. Got to be it. It's got to be they just jizzed all the money into marketing because that that's the only explanation I'm willing to accept. They've got. <laughs> I, I can't remember who it is, but I know they've got some proper Illuminati member on their board as well. It's annoying because I know it's a. Uh, it's a name we've all heard, but I can't quite remember who the hell it is. But I know they've they've got some Illuminati connection as well, so we shouldn't underplay that part of the That's story. That's pretty sweet. The best part about the Zoom security vulnerability is that it's an issue because partly because even if you uninstall the app, they leave um, the ports open that allows you to install it quickly and accept a Zoom call really quickly. Um, and also that it was found by one of these individuals we were talking about last week who goes around looking for security exploits and then uh, divulges it to firms in return for reward. Uh, and after 90 days, there was some kind of 90-day period where they had time to acknowledge it and fix it uh, and provide a reward, otherwise he would go public with it. They decided, oh, this isn't actually a bug, this is a feature. Because they basically compromise security to make it easier for individuals to use because no one cares about security. Sky high IQ, great mm. moves. I can now see what yeah. I'm doing. And it is not backfired at all. And I remember um, this What's being that? a relatively big thing. Like Whenever this was found, sort of like, must have been about a year ago. Um, and there were Zoom links doing the rounds where like hundreds of people were joining in on calls or like getting forced into calls by going to a spoof web app. Um, and no one gives a shit. Yeah, what have you got tied, Can? Have you got yeah. tied? <laughs> exactly. You should let anyone see your face at any time of the day. Right, I anything re- else I in re- this story? Is absolutely triggered by the reference to Illuminati. Here we go. <laughs> He's asked, what is the Illuminati? <laughs> uh, we're going we're gonna to move on from that. Um... So I have here written on the notes that a legit hedge fund big shot is looking to go long on Bitcoin. And I didn't write these notes, but in it, I'm already being told off saying he isn't buying Bitcoin, Ken. (laughs) What's going on here? Getting blown out for some notes that I didn't write. I was preempting your introduction that was going to say, hedge fund billionaire loads up on Bitcoin. His wallet's (laughs) overflowing. Get in here now, (laughs) I'd leave that note so that we didn't get that in the intro, Ken. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. So, could you tell me what is actually going on? Uh, yeah, some hedge fund big shot is going to... is sent a letter to investors saying that he might be long in Bitcoin via futures. He's some super big shot who's like the 350th richest man in the world, one of the top hedge fund managers in the world, and the prince tells me he used to be in trouble for sniffing loads of coke off prostitutes in the 80s. So he sounds like a bit of a player. Allegedly. Yeah, it's the man in question is 
Paul Judah Jones, who's like he's a um, infamous macro trader, been on Wall Street since the eighties, has his own fund, and is like revered among, or at least at one time, he was revered amongst in all like financial circles as this like macro genius trader. Made um, has his own hedge fund and has done exceptionally well with it. Over, over that period of time, he's obviously made himself a billionaire as well. And so, yeah, he's like this, this very colorful character. So it was interesting to see his name crop up in the show notes, definitely. Although I will say that if you read his quotes on why he invested in Bitcoin, doesn't really sound like he's a, he, he's a true believer. Let's put it that way. So his style has always been, his style of investment has always been um, contrarian, um, just, like, just he describes himself as a swing trader, meaning he's not meaning he's he's trying to catch markets as they change directions rather than follow the trend. And he also um, uh, says that he's like a uh, what's the word um, opportunist as well. Yeah, he's, he describes himself as being very opportunistic. So when he said. Um, quotes like the following in a letter to investors in his fund. I I wasn't, I didn't get the sense that, as I say, he's a true, like he's a Bitcoin maximus by any, by any stretch of the imagination. He went for, quote, quote, quite often how the market will respond will be at odds with your priors, speaking about the current inflationary environment that we're in or potentially inflationary environment as a result of a load of money printing, as a, re- as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, saying that Bitcoin's performance could um, respond in a way that will be at odds with your priors, suggesting that he believes the um, existing beliefs of his investors around Bitcoin are not positive, basically. He goes on, but remember, the PL always wins in the long run. With that in mind, in a world that craves new safe assets, there may there may be a growing role for Bitcoin. So it sounds like he's trying to um, front run demand for Bitcoin rather than him believing uh, it's the it's a the new safe haven asset. He just seems to think that other people might view it as the new safe haven asset, which will create demand for it. Therefore, buy it now before everyone else does. Do you think he might have talked into it after having dinner with Justin Sun? <laughs> well, see, actually, he can't have actually been to dinner with Justin Sun, surely. Can he? No, he was absolutely not. But maybe it does sound like he's fallen for the Bitcoin memes. But maybe no, Justin Sun. People falling for the Bitcoin memes. But he's fallen for quite specific Bitcoin memes. He's fallen for digital gold and my 21 million bitcoins. <laughs> and he's written that as a billionaire hedge fund manager to his investors. He's like, oh, I'll tell you what, it really reminds me of gold in the 70s. And in case you didn't know, there'll only ever be 21 million of them, guys, which is a bit painful to read. But he did say that the, the he's assigning a maximum of a low single figure digit of assets to be potentially uh, put in Bitcoin futures. So he's not looking to all in like $20 billion into Bitcoin right now, but maybe in the future, hold tight, whoever this guy is. Yeah. He also said with with, um, regard to his reference about gold, he said that 
Bitcoin reminds me of gold when I first got in the business in 1976. Now, I don't think he means that it's a, they are equivalent safe haven assets or whatever. He goes on to say gold had just been productized as a futures investment like Bitcoin recently and, and had enjoyed a heck of a bull market, almost tripling in price. It then corrected almost 50% in in nearly two years, similarly to Bitcoin's 28-month 80% correction. You can see the similarities in the two charts below. So I think he's trying to say that, uh, if anything, it's the introduction of futures that reminds him of or generates a similarity in his mind between Bitcoin and gold. So go, like before gold futures, you obviously had to... Uh, like take physical delivery of gold, which is a giant ball ache, or you had to have someone else hold it on your behalf. Whereas, and that's like, but it, that it became a lot easier for people to pile money into gold following the like the creation of gold futures. So I, I guess he's trying to say that he thinks that the ease of buying Bitcoin for institutions is going to become way easier as the Bitcoin futures market develops, gains in popularity. Thanks, friends. That <laughs> was really something. That was You're lovely. welcome, Ken. Thank you. Uh, Bublé's been busy in the chat organising what uh, DJ gear he's going to be purchasing. What's going on here, my friend? Um, I've been watching and listening to a lot of mixes recently, and uh, I've been getting my mixing vibe back on. I've, I've got some turntables in the loft, so I might get them out. Um but I'm also, I can't be fucked moving vinyl around. So, Can you please go old school and only mix live with vinyl? Yeah. I mean, I was watching a Andy C, I think it was Andy C, Rampage set from last year or the year before, and he was mixing some vinyl to hordes of nutters, which looked really good. I feel like you've got a pretty decent drum and bass DJ look as well, Bublé. Mm. I know the listeners aren't going to quite understand this, but I think I think they'd go wild for you, the D&B fans. I'm not, I'm not um, street enough, I don't think. But I, could DJ, be. I always think the DJs like don't look like the fans exactly, you know? Oh, no. No, no, no. Top, top like, drum and bass MCs especially are rude boys. Yeah, I mean, the MCs are, obviously, but the uh, drum and bass DJs, do they all look like the degenerates that dance to it? <laughs> um, sometimes, yeah. I mean, they are definitely on the spectrum, I'd say. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at, Bublé. They're on... They're on the... <laughs> so you're saying I'll fit in? Uh, uh, hey, listen, big guy, you know <laughs> what I'm as long as you can see colours in music, you'll be fine, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to move on to some old pals of ours. They seem like old friends on the show. Uh, and that is... What the fuck's that? <clears throat> That's what me, was that? me having a boom attack moment. Carry on, Ken. Alright, thank you. So, back to some old friends. And that is Chili's who are, are back. They're our favourite sports partnership crypto selling snake oil to the masses. And they now have a UFC partnership 
selling valueless bullshit to people, clamouring for Fight Island merch, etc. Why is Fight Island? Someone, Fight Island is the UFC, the UFC's new initiative, which was, uh, what was their last UFC? So, um, I can't remember what fucking number it was, but um, Dana White wanted it to go ahead against all odds, and he was looking at the prospect of um, shipping all the all the fighters over to an island and broadcasting it from there so that there was no chance of any spectators or anything like that, and he could say that it was going to be completely socially distanced. I like um, Dana White, I've got to say. He really, 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 really doesn't want to cancel an event. Yeah. That is impressive. Um, At one point that, I heard that he was going to go for, he was going to have, he was going to stage it on an Indian reservation in the US because it's subject to tribal law. And, yes. you know, a few bills here and a few bills there and it's all smoothed over. You can have what, it at one of those cool Indi like uh, Indian casinos. So Yeah, what was cool about that as well is that that didn't go ahead. So actually it was, it, the, the night didn't go ahead at all, I don't think, or it went ahead somewhere completely different. I'm pretty sure it didn't go ahead. Um, and he said, um, doesn't matter. We've already, we've got a great relationship with these guys on the reservation. So we're going to make sure that the next one goes, uh, at least one in the near future goes ahead in their casino because they've been, uh, super helpful for us to us so far. So we're going to make that happen for them. Now that's Obviously, a business, great business for them. Yeah, absolute legend. But he that's now really cute. likes the idea of fight Island. So I think their next, um, Next event is going to be on this island. It's going to be the UFC Fight Island event or whatever. That is also... That's even more epic, I think. He's just gone into, like, just branched out into international waters. Just being there's literally yeah. no law here. By the way, headbutts are now legal again. Let's go, guys. I like Tell it. Tell me... Red pill me on headbutts being legal in the UFC. Big guy. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure the other way, other way that was a throwaway quip. But, you know, uh, I just... I, I apologise. I just feel like, you know, if he's in for a penny, he's in for a pound, you know. He might yeah. be like, well, if we're starting to pull back restrictions, let's go I to like town. It. I apologise. You're a man who knows the UFC, and I assumed that this was some sweet controversy from the history of UFC. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not, Ken. Yeah. But anyway, back to the crypto angle. Chili's um, are looking at tokenizing some fighters and producing some fan benefits along with their crypto tokens, etc. Yeah, it's quite an impressive signing for them, I think. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised that they, like a crypto project, could gain traction with the UFC, especially considering as much as I like him, Dana White doesn't seem like that guy, you know? So good on him, I say. They've gone, it doesn't seem like they're doing anything different from any of the other arrangements they have with sporting franchises. And why would they with the UFC? But uh, they're certainly building their brand uh in terms of the associations that they have so yeah good on them can anyone remind me what their existing associations with sports teams is and how they have tokenized players and and whatnot in the past they previously worked with barcelona and juventus and for anyone who doesn't know sports ball uh barcelona is the team that lionel messi plays for and juventus is the team that cristiano ronaldo currently plays for which is probably why they went for those two uh organizations yeah, I think Juve was a huge sign of, like that. I think that was one of the biggest early breakthroughs for them. And then now they've got all kinds of mental teams on board. So, 
And yeah, you know, do you know what their tokenization offering actually is? Is it just basically pointless tokens to say I own a fucking a thousand Ronaldo tokens or whatever? So for Barcelona, um, it's the bar token, and you get to like the more bar token you hold, the more uh, votes you get on certain club decisions. Doesn't say what the decisions are, but I think it's things like it's it was it was pretty amusing things like what song they play after they score a goal and stuff like that. So. Oh, that was at Juve, wasn't it? Yeah, I think um, so. I'm hoping there's some real sinister stuff coming from Barcelona because that is an organisation who hired um, people to bully their players on social media. What? Yeah. What for? Uh, I don't really know. There's some kind of weird situation going on with the Barcelona ownership and the players. Um, I would guess it's to try and make them seem like they have less power in the uh, relationship they have, in yeah. uh, contract disputes and whatnot. They're like, oh, it's all Matthew, very weird. Maybe you should think about the team, big guy, rather than how many dollar bills you get. You've already got literally, loads of money. Literally, mm. they invested in loads of shills to just bombard them on social media mm. and take them down a peg or two. I wonder which. I wonder who they hired. It was just, it was just some firm that specialised in uh, social media marketing. That is amazing. Why am I not working for them? I would be brilliant at that. I'd be absolutely excellent at that. What if your day was just trolling people on Twitter? Like bullying Massey into like being less of a Judas with the money, you know? That'd be great. Oh, are you going to start a troll farm? Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Wait, might... how, how do we do this? Because we would be excellent at it. I mean, I think most of them are in Russia, but um, you could probably... I don't know. There's a lot of unemployed people at the moment. You could probably quite easily set up a troll farm. Get some new stuff. That's true. Mm. Um, I think basically you just make a load of fake accounts, um, make them look real. Uh, they interact with each other, blah, blah, blah. And then you just start showing stuff. I think we should go the opposite direction. We should go quality over quantity. We should troll people so brutally that we don't need to do it that many times. Mm. More time in the day for other endeavors. Yeah, you could enlist real people who don't care about the social identity. Amazing. Or we could come up with ridiculous crypto-related uh, pseudonyms, which we then use exclusively. <laughs> like a communist theme ones. Yes, precisely. <laughs> right. None of that was advice for anyone who actually wants to set up a troll farm. Mm. Which we would never advise doing or do ourselves, allegedly. <laughs> you wait, right, if anyone in chat does have experience doing such a thing please head on over to at hrhgeordiep that's at hrhgeordiep on twitter and maybe send him uh, a direct message or or don't mm. it's all flawless. allegedly flawless delivery there Ken very impressive thank you my friend I learned from the best <laughs> you learn from the absolute worst he needs three takes every show <laughs> um what else do we have on this glorious notes document? We have uh, some kind of Ton community um, creating their own blockchain um, from the Telegram official blockchain or something like that. Yeah, they um, they basically they say that they say that Telegram need to step away from the project. Yeah, they open sourced a bunch of stuff um, and then kind of said that Telegram should like fuck off because they're, you know, in a lawsuit. They said no US people will be able to participate because of that ongoing lawsuit. Um, yeah, and then they just had a big Zoom conference where they announced it all. 
and kind of in related news, uh, that 110% return offer from Telegram that came out last week has been reneged. Uh, you can no longer get that. They decided to just roll that back quite oh, quickly. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, so yeah, bad times for Telegram. Is that the part? So the 110% part was you could. Um, that was you could get 110% of the amount you invested as equity in Telegram, right? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. And they're just not doing that anymore. They've just sacked yeah. that off. Yeah. Just the immediate 72% is the only option available now. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I was kind of confused by the Ton Labs thing. Like, it wasn't really clear what their relationship with Telegram was because Telegram raised all this money for Ton and then. Tone Lab seems like a completely separate entity, which has just decided to go ahead with everything in every country except the US. But it's really like not clear how it came to be, um, whether they have any affiliation with Telegram. And the reason this is kind of weird was because there was that story a while ago from one of the Telegram founders who was like, oh, we're going to do it anyway. Like, we'll just, we'll just release it and, you know. It's out of our hands at that point. Yeah. And this, this kind of looks like the it's out of our hands thing just in every country except the US. It seems like a weird one, though, because the SEC don't give a shit if they release some open source software. They just don't want them to give out the token that they that they sold to people. Mm. So if they're not giving out the token, they haven't really blown the SEC out. The SEC are like, yeah, fine, if you want. So the whole thing like doesn't really seem like a victory. Uh, for Gram token or Ton or whatever fucking meme Telegram are selling. Yeah, it seems like a cope, to be honest. Yeah. Can. Yeah. Are, are you still here? I am still here. Read a dictionary or you can spell no. check Barbie's letter later, mate. We've got a show on. Apologies. No, what I was actually doing was going on Coin Market Cap because one of our dear friends in the chat, DJ Lavise, has asked us if we can to cover the OX pump as to why that has happened. If you haven't seen ZRX, aka OX, Bitcoin has absolutely pumped to high heaven very recently. Is it because people have got confused as to what it is and think this is also halving? Well, everything's pumped, hasn't it? No, not as much as this, big dog. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, big little beast, man. It's up not... 60% today, for instance. Fucking yikes, bro. <laughs> yeah. All right, apologies, Lavise. I did I did say this might, this might go poorly, but no one really knows. I reckon it's either that the coin is fucking fantastic and everyone's finally realised if that makes you feel good, or uh, everyone's got confused um, and has been buying this as well. Who knows? Yeah. Privacy, in it. Who knows? There's probably some kind of meme going on, Can Almost certainly. Yeah. I'm assuming a meme exists. Well, any crypto news that anyone is particularly in love with that they want to talk about? Fuck no, Can. No, it was a pretty slow week in general. I think it was a fairly slow week. Did anyone? I did put, also put in the notes this news that um, an academic model that has been used to predict COVID numbers um, has been released after some work by Microsoft engineers uh, to allow uh, other people to look at it. 
and it's got a few people's panties in a twist, including individuals raising issues saying that no research should be based on this because it's so poorly made. Yeah, I just read the comments and they were pretty scathing. It's, it, I feel like it, it might, if it's as bad as everyone seems to suggest, this could be a huge scandal in the coming days. I don't know if it necessarily will be, um, just because I don't think people necessarily care enough that this is wrong, or might not even be wrong. Who knows? The problem is this: this code also that you that people have issue with has been improved over the past sort of like month or two by Microsoft engineers. Um, to get into the state it currently is, so before this happened, wow. it was fifteen thousand lines of untested C that every time you ran it would pr produce different results. So, sorry, Ken, just to recap briefly, this is the code for the model that the UK government have used to predict things like the number of COVID-19 cases and the number of COVID-19 deaths the UK could expect if they take various different policy changes. Is that right? That, that is correct, yeah. So it comes from okay. uh, Neil, I think it's Neil Ferguson's model. Maybe it is. Niall Ferguson. Is it Neil Ferguson? Yeah. It's Neil, um, yeah, Neil. Yeah, I think I got confused because as a man who did a history degree, Neil Ferguson is a very famous right-wing historian. Niall Ferguson. He's not very, he's actually a centrist, Ken. But Niall Ferguson, yes. Now, now I recall. A centrist yes. based on Crypto Weekly's alignment, which makes the same people who call me Chairman Beak. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember yeah. it being a big faux pas to quote him in essays at my wow. university. That is amazing. You can't, you can't even quote a centre, a, a fence like Niall Ferguson in a UK university. You know, that just says it all. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Mr. Jory Prince. I quoted him anyway. Nice one. Nice one, Ken. Like um, it. But yeah, Neil Ferguson. Um uh, is the one who's come up with this. He, he, I think he wrote it many, many years ago when he was um, a researcher on something else. And he's used what? it and, and changed it over the years to model different pandemic results. Okay, but so it was it was to do with pandemics from the word go there. Yes, yes. And yeah, so there's this, there's this like kickoff on GitHub where a load of devs have had a read of these, of this code and they are taking issue with a number of things in the code. Interestingly, some of the things I took from the thread are that um, people are saying that there aren't enough tests in the code, Ken. Uh, I believe there are none, as far as I'm aware. Which, given our discussion last week on the importance of tests, mm. um, uh, seems alarming. Um, it would have been difficult to do so to begin with to isolate different parts of this code to test because the original form of it was, as I said, a single file with just 15,000 lines of code. Wow, that sounds pretty mental. Also, Ken, I think, um, see, I think the thing that could give this traction with the normies is that because there are essentially um, some of the parameters are generated on a random basis, as you would. I could see why you would do that in a model, but it means that each time you run the code, you get different numbers, right? Each time you run the model, you get a different output each and every time because the, the inputs are different, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the normie, I could see the normies being bothered by that because it sounds to them like, well, if you'd run it two minutes later, we would have had different results and thus different policy. 
I mean, it does say in the readme it's stochastic and you have to run it multiple times to produce an average. Yeah, so I assumed that would be the way that they would use the model rather than just taking the first number that came out of it. But I feel like the normies might not um, get that deep into the discussion, you know? So I think that there is, there is scandal potential here, definitely. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate a lot here and say that like most models are really poorly engineered. Like the people that build them aren't engineers. So mm -hmm. like when you go looking for holes, you're going to find a lot. Like most of the world runs on like sketchily built models. And I'd be amazed that this was the only model used to feed into any decisions. Like I bet you different universities, different academics, different scientific institutions have their own models. Mm. And they probably, like, I imagine they do some comparison, like, are these guys producing similar predictions? Like, are they wildly different? And then take some average across multiple models rather than across one model multiple times. I don't know. This seems a bit like fear-mongering. I'm, I'm with you, Fu, except that I think, um, I think my worry from having from having demonstrable models that, that are kind of inconsistent is that it makes it much, much easier for um, for the government in, in the UK, for example, to pick a model that, that, meet, that suits their agenda and use that as their science, with quotes, to, to justify the decision-making rather than them coming out and saying, look, all the models are a bit shit. Let's let's look at a bunch of different ones and try and find some idea of middle ground, and then use that to influence our decision making. Um, yeah, yeah but this, this was designed to presumably uh, introduce a level of like randomness that accurately models the situation. So, like, I mean, if they just had one model that said this is what the numbers are going to be, that would probably be more. Like that would be less accurate, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do, yeah I'm, I'm. I'm looking at it. I'm just looking at it from a normie perspective, where we'd hear on the news that the government are following the science, um, and their science is that they've run one of these models once mm. and generated, or they've run it until it looks like it works with, gives the numbers that they need out of it, and then use that as their, as their science. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Like they have like picked the result of the model that they wanted potentially we're saying that could have happened like yeah. using, and just using saying that well this is what a model this is an output from a model is not um some magic band-aid that guarantees that it's correct to use that to inform policy yeah and, and uh, while it's i think it's easier for people that are educated in this field or you know have done some basic statistics or modeling of these kinds of things it's e easy for them to look at it and go, and go well yeah you, this is this is just uh this is the way that it works and you have to run it a bunch of times and and look at various different factors um but most people don't understand basic statistics and i think this is something that beak shouts from the rooftops on a regular basis that the majority of the population don't even understand the basics of statistics and then when you start introducing that these models are non-deterministic and that they you know that you need to, that you need to take a bunch of them over a period of time and with varying different inputs or whatever it, it makes it so uh not normally friendly that they're they're basically unusable for for government policy Yeah, I'm that I'm with you. I'm right there with you, P Money. The only thing the the thing was I got the sense 
I don't know if this is true or not, and I like to think it is, but I got the sense from reading the comments on GitHub that this model seemed to produce, like people referenced like our number, our result, our prediction, like as if it produces one thing rather than, you know, you would imagine like a bell curve of like thousands and thousands of different results that you would get if you run, say, like a Monte Carlo simulation, you know? Whereas I didn't get that. I don't know if this is true or not, but I didn't get the sense that this model does that, which is very fucking alarming. So, so uh, uh, this is probably my naivety, Shane, but is is the is the correct implementation of this not to allow it to run once? Like th the version that they released out for use isn't isn't a, isn't something that should run once, but actually should run n times mm. and and give an out and give give an output after say hours and hours and hours or potentially days of running to that the output from this system should be that rather than the one iteration that is, is run yeah you would hope you would really hope that they are doing that but i just didn't like people seem to be kicking off about the fact that it didn't do that in these as i say in these github comments but that just could i could be my erroneous interpretation yeah i didn't really get it by skimming the comments but i think foo explained it pretty well and it makes a lot of sense that Maybe they've just shown this might just be the algorithm that's used, but to get an accurate picture, they'll run it a thousand times and then plot the most, you know, mm. plot the curve and then see what the most likely range is going to be. Which that seems like would make a lot more sense. Yeah. And that apparently, supposedly, they've got a super genius team on it. Yeah, I mean, that after Fu explained it, that must, that surely must be the situation. You would hope. You would hope. One certainly would. Uh, one final question in the chat. When is ETH going to pump, boys? Uh, hasn't it pumped all year? That's an answer that I like. Cool. Uh, is there anything else that anyone wants to bring up? Um, see, I, I just had a little comment on the, the COVID-19 uh, GitHub. Um, I spent quite a bit of time chatting to a, a guy who was a PhD researcher or PhD student doing stuff in genetics and bioinformatics um, and the thing that he was really struggling with was that there was nothing to le lean on um, from other people uh, in terms of actual software and the, and the reason for that is that when you're putting together your your, your thesis and your, your, your papers uh, you do that in secret and you work on something for three, four, five years and then you publish it, and that's the first time that people actually get to look at your code. Um, and that was something that he found really, really hard. And so he kind of branched out from 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 that way of working, open sourced all of his work against the kind of university's kind of uh, recommendation and his tutors, all that sort of stuff. Um, he open sourced it all and started running hackathons to, and getting people to basically help him work on parsing this data and because um, there's, there's all sorts of different sources of genetic data all, all around the world, all in different formats. And basically, it's a data transformation ETL type thing. He was basically trying to crowdsource that to get better data for his research. Um, the software was not that important to him. What was, what was important to him was the, the analysis of the gen genetics themselves. Um, and I suspect that the person that wrote this is not necessarily interested in the software that's running it 
it is it is about the models and the statistics that's their speciality this is just a a, a bit that they've have to have to do to to generate that stuff they will have the kind of the formulas elsewhere that are validating that what they've got is within reasonable bounds i'm guessing even if it so like well engineered from a software point of view and good at predicting in this case pandemics could be like two different things aren't they you could potentially have a model that is quote unquote poorly engineered but it's it's a good it's an accurate it's accurate at predicting pandemics is that what you okay yeah no i have no no difficulty believing that absolutely well, so, so it could be that like the engineering criticisms of this model don't actually affect the predictive power of the model. Yes, potentially, however, potentially. I mean, I think what Beak was going to jump in on was that if it's not engineered in a way that, like, if you don't know that it's doing what it's meant to do mm. in the in those small units that we discussed last week, mm. it's not doing. It's not going to be the right model. So how do you know that it's the right model? And and I think what they've got are kind of end-to-end smoke tests, which uh, last week I was saying were the the most important to 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 know are working. Yeah. Um. So I, I but also it's a model. Like, you, if you but, knew the result, if you knew the result at the end, you you wouldn't need the model in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. But there maybe there are elements of it that could be tested, and based like it, if it's stochastic, then it's going to be really hard to know whether you've made mistakes in the code. Oh uh, like, yeah, be- because you're expecting a different result each time you run it. Yeah, so I mean, like the, you would imagine there's some room to test some stuff, even if you just can't if you can't test the the code as a whole. There must be some things you can test, and some someone on Twitter reckoned that they'd found a ton of bugs, like actual code bugs, within this thing, as opposed to like you know maths mistakes. Uh, but that is just a random person, so who knows? I feel like we're going to hear more about this, though. I think it's going to be there's going to be more controversy around in it, and I'm interested. Watch this space. Maybe we will update you on this in the coming weeks. Maybe we won't. You'll have to tune in next time on Crypto Weekly to find out. Uh, is there anything else that anyone wants to bring up? No. You're all good. Cool. Well, with that show of enthusiasm, I guess it's time to end the show. <laughs> Dr. P Money already coming in with the outro music. Well done, my friend. Fantastic. No problem. Say good night, gentlemen. Good night, Ken. Good night, good night Ken. Ken. Good night, Ken. Good night, Prince. Good night, Foo. Good night, Ken. Good night, Booble. Crypto beat. Come on. Good Don't night, hold that. Is it uh, seven out of ten? Are you a, are you at seven out of ten yet, Beak? I'm at four out of ten now. <laughs> what? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> he doesn't like playing the Waltons with me, Crypto Ken. You have been listening to Crypto Weekly, listener. We have been Crypto Weekly. You've been informed. Thank you. Good night.